0: everybody. I'm uh, Pastor Dave Diefendorf. Good to be here with you. Um, I live in Kansas City. Like uh, Eddie said, uh, in 2001, actually, I think the week of 9 11, was our first week here uh, working on the campus with the HUPS and another single staff member, and it was a fun time. We were here for seven years. All, my, all three, I've got three boys, all three boys were uh, all born in Mercy here in town, and um, and then right after our third was born, we moved to Kansas City to plant City Life Church. City Life Church. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, City Life Church in Westport in Kansas City. So if you're from uh, KC, we're right next to KU Med Center. So anyway, it's good to be here with you this morning. Uh, you guys ready? Yeah. All right, so here's, here's kind of my thing. Uh, God wants to speak to you today. I'm going to say a lot of words, but in your heart, God wants to speak to you. So there are going to be some things that are going to be intriguing. I'm going to be like, man, I've never heard that before. But the thing is, is like God wants to speak to you. What is he saying to you today? Because we're all in kind of different places with him. So what does God want to say to you today? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll just dive in, all right? So Lord, thank you so much for our time together today. God, that we get to come together, celebrate you, God. Celebrate that you're the faithful God. You're the God that pursues us. You're the God that gives us answers. God, you're the one that calms our hearts. Gives gives us healing and Lord sets us on a mission in our lives. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for being the God that you are. So Lord, we just come before you this morning. God, like I said, we're all in different places with you. But God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, challenge us, change us, and let us be the world changers, God, that you've asked us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. So Uh, We've been doing this course series, we've all been doing this uh, course series, kind of going through it, Uh, Pastor Jonathan came and preached a great word on identity a couple weeks ago, so thanks for loaning them to us, Uh, but today, uh, it's just, I guess I'm bringing the last message, is this the last, I think, I think I'm bringing the last word, All right. so, uh, it's going to be a lot better than all that you've heard before, no, I'm just kidding, Um, no, it's just going to be different, so, Um, What we've been talking about through this whole series is, what are the essentials to living an empowered life? We want, uh, if if anybody kind of gets around us, we want to make sure that we're not here about religious games, we're not here just to be nice, we're here to actually train and equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that's our job. That's the job of the church, that should be the job of every church that you go to. So we're here, and I'm going to talk to you about worldview. So the thing about uh, Jesus is that he didn't just die and raise again to reconcile man back to God. That was the major objective that he came to do, but he didn't just come to do that. He came, and he spent three and a half years hanging out with average people, and he instilled in them some certain things. He took them to school for three and a half years. There was like If if you wanted kind of a master's level, this would be the Ph.D. in the kingdom. Jesus took his disciples and trained them a particular way. And one of the things that Jesus came to proclaim is he said, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, heaven has come with me. I have brought heaven with me. That heaven has now, that the earth has been going, and here comes Jesus. And he came to reconcile heaven and earth on the planet. And so he had to teach his disciples what's heaven like. Because he had to culturate the kingdom. We can't just absorb our culture, put a Christian label on it and say I'm a believer and think that we're going to do anything big for the kingdom of God or for God himself. And so it has to do with that God took these people and he laid in them a different worldview, A different way of operating. A different way of seeing God. So what is a worldview? It's the way in which we see God, ourselves, others, circumstances, where we came from, where we're going, and what's this whole thing life all about. That's your worldview. And we all have a worldview. We all walked into this room with a worldview. Now, we wouldn't be able to make a decision if you didn't have a worldview. You wouldn't be able to make, uh, if you get a job offer, you have to filter that through your worldview. Is this a good job offer? Is this good for me? Uh, how do I see it about advancing my career? Um, so, so we've got these, these worldviews, and everyone has one. And it's the defining element in our life because our choices are shaped by what we believe is real, what we believe is true, what we believe is right and wrong, what we believe is good and evil. What has value, what doesn't have value. And so we all walk into this room or we get all adopted into the kingdom of God with like a certain set of lenses. It's like by which you see the whole world, right? So we all grow up developing a worldview. And so these are the lenses by which we see the whole world. Now, your, your worldview, your lenses, have been impacted by a lot of factors, okay? So here are some of the factors that, that influence our worldview. You've got your gender, ethnicity, that affects your worldview. You've got experience, upbringing, Media, the, the media that you consume, that affects your worldview. How, you th- how, you, how, how your interactions growing up with authority has been. Has it been a positive one? Has it been a negative one? How do you view authority now that you're 18 or above? How, is, is there a, so, and then education. Now, that's not a comprehensive list. That's like the top six of like hundreds of things that we could put up there. But there's so many things that influence The way we see the world. And so what happens is that we have this worldview that we've been training ourselves in for maybe even decades. And then what happens is when we get right with God and we say, God, I want to live for you. Come make my heart clean. And so we we transition over into the kingdom of God. Man, we're born again. Sweet. Man, my heart's made new, but guess what hasn't changed? My worldview. My worldview has not changed. I have kept this worldview from my old previous life, and I'm still making decisions as if I've never even been a believer. And so what Jesus came to do is that he came, oh, I left my other glasses in the car. (laughs) I have a pair of sweet sunglasses. I forgot my other prop. So imagine I'm putting on some nice stylized (laughs) sunglasses right now. But God wants to put a brand new worldview over your lenses. He wants to exchange the lenses that you came to God with. And he wants to exchange those lenses with a brand new set. And it's completely different. It's with kingdom culture all over it. How does God live? How does God treat people? How does God see people? How did Jesus, who's the perfect example of what one person could be, who's fully dedicated to God, because in Romans it says, when Jesus came, he put aside his godness and came in the form of a man. So to a certain extent, he's showing his disciples what life could be like, fully invested in the kingdom of God. And he says, it's good that I go, because I get to send the Holy Spirit that's going to empower you to do the same things I've done and even greater works. So here's Jesus. He's training his disciples in worldview. And so... The thing is, is that this doesn't just take place in a classroom, this takes place in life, and this takes also where you may have a worldview, but you've also been dr- dropped into culture, and so it's like you've got culture now that's influencing you, not just in your upbringing or kind of how you see the world, you're, you're put in this larger context of what we call culture, and culture. They've got, there's a lot of people in culture, right? There's a lot of different worldviews in culture. And so uh, we, can, we can grow up in the same town, have the same kind of upbringing, and, and leave that town with completely separate, different views. So then in culture, what we got is what I would call meta-narratives. These are narratives. These are storylines. These are worldviews by which they explain why the world is what it is. And so there's a lot of different worldviews in our world. And so I'm just going to summarize a few. You guys, Would you guys allow me to summarize a few? Is that all right? Yeah. All right, here we go. So it's not like, it's like, it's like you're back in Western Civ class again. But anyway, here we go. So secular humanism. What's secular humanism? That is, at the turn of the Enlightenment, uh, in the 14th to 17th century, you could argue, is that there was, before then, there was this thought as God is the measure of all things. God is the judge. God is the moral giver. God is the one that who's in charge. During the Enlightenment, that shifted. Instead of God being in charge, it's now man is the measure of all things, not God. Man is the measure of all things. If we could create a society that's free of religion, like John Lennon sung about, If we could imagine a world free of religion, that's when we get secular humanism, where man has ascended to become God. We are the architects of the ultimate utopia. And that's the ultimate dream to a secular humanist, is that without God, we are going to get to utopia. And you see these ways of believing that we find in our culture. We pick it up through politicians. We pick it up in our news feed. We pick it up all over the place. It is it's it's got secular humanism kind of presented us a picture of a house, in that if you are religious, you need to keep your religion upstairs. You need to keep your religion out of the public sphere, so that when you go home, you can you can you can believe whatever you want to believe. But when you get enter into the public world, you better shut up about what you believe. That's a worldview. Another one, nihilism. Nihilism popularized by Nietzsche. Nothing. Matters at all, ever, nothing. There's no ultimate overarching meaning to life. It is uh, Machiavellian at its best. It is if you can get ahead, get ahead. If, you're, if your quest for power means you have to step over people, then you must step over people. There is zero belief that people are made in the image of God. They're not made in the image of anything. And so we have writers like, uh, at the turn of the century, George Bernard Shaw, who, uh, or, or Margaret Sanger, who was a famous eugenicist and f- actually founded Planned Parenthood. She actually was an avid racist. She hated black people. She hated Hispanic people. They were a plague upon society, and she founded Planned Parenthood. So if you want to know the roots of what you're defending, know the roots of what worldview you're actually standing behind. Last, uh, how about this? Hedonism. Hedonism is whatever titillates you, say yes to it. Whatever gives you pleasure, say yes to it. And so we live in this society right now that, with my boys growing up, you know, we didn't have access to the things that we now have access to. And so, like, We all adults here? Okay, great. So like back in the day in high school, if you wanted to see any kind of pornography, you had to like drive down in your car and go to the seedy adult bookstore that you had. Now it's like within five seconds, it's at anything's at your disposal. And so we, but we live in the society that has upped its value on hedonism, up its value on if it feels good, just do it. It doesn't really matter. But you guys don't really hear about these worldviews at all, really. You know. Anyway, keep going. Sorry, that's a joke. <laughs> Whew, deep breath. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> postmodernism. Postmodernism. What? Postmodernism. You hear that a lot today. Um, we transitioned from modern to postmodern probably in the 80s, arguably. Um, but postmodern modernism was about rationality and logic. Postmodernism is about tearing the system down. It. A pure postmodern is, I want to tear this system down. It is filled with the patriarchy. It is filled with, there's so many things that we have to tear down that it's not just trying to solve problems. The the radical postmodernist is, we have to destroy the system to its very foundation and rebuild it. Because we think we can. That's postmodernism. And so we have this massive, m- massive level of critique upon history. Then we've got spiritualism. Spiritualism is just, I think that there's a God out there. I think I know that there's, an out, there's a God out there, or kind of. There's a spiritual realm, and, 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 and I'm spiritual, and I'm kind of open to kind of like the things that are out there because I know that there's something else out there other than what I could see. I just don't know what it is. And so it's... It's kind of, your spiritual, but there's no tether. There's no handle by which you're grabbing a hold and actually building a better life. And then there's the kingdom of God. God, what Jesus came to present. A worldview by which it encompasses every area of life. That it's not just about your spiritual heart with God during Sunday morning and then the rest of the week it's whatever you do. No, it's like when you give your life to God, when you actually... And I've been wrestling with this because we at City Life we, we're doing a marriage series beginning next week, and I've been really wrestling with how do we present marriage because I think that the church is quite silent on that. And uh, I, in and, and wrestling through that, it's kind of this revelation that when when you and I get right with God, it's actually you and I marry. To a certain extent, God, there's a covenant that's formed between you and God. And from that point on, you have the choice of whether you operate as a human being from down here's perspective. Or you operate from when, when the scriptures say, I have seated, Christ has seated you in heavenly places. We have two positions by which we can live life. We can live like just by everyone else. And trying to be as moral as we can and try to hold on. Try to be nice to the people that cut us off. Or we say, you know, really this is about me operating from a heavenly perspective into this planet to bring and introduce change into our world. And that should be the perspective of every follower of Jesus is that we operate from heaven to earth. It's how he asked us to pray. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Who are the vehicles by which he brings that about? You. Us. Us. His people. So again, like I said, we could get born again and we can, we can keep these same glasses and, and unfortunately, because we've presented a gospel that's so simple, if you just pray a prayer and you'll be right with Him and you can go to heaven one day, if that's all that Jesus came to do, sure, I'll say yes to that and then we may be born again, but again, we still have these old lenses that we still have and we can even... We can even, like, show up at church and we can say, oh, yeah, man, praise the Lord, man, this music is so awesome, isn't this great? We sing hallelujah. You know, and we can, we can say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, you know, I'm highly favored. And we can learn certain things about Christian culture but yet remain a spiritual infant for decades because we're not willing to adjust how I see things Versus how God sees things. And when we came into the kingdom, did you not say that he's in charge? Or did you say, actually God, um, you know, this whole operation, I got better plans, and so let's be friends, but really I think I have a better way of navigating the human heart and human culture. So I'm going to cut some of this stuff out. Because I don't agree with it, nor do I really understand it. And so out of ignorance, we develop a worldview like everyone else. And so the question is, God is asking, if you want God to powerfully use you, if you want God to fill you, to give you the gifts that you've been made for, and for you to be used in the kingdom of God, the question is, what are you bringing to the table that's different than everyone else? I mean, that's, that's a straight-up question. Can we be honest with ourselves here? What, what am I bringing to the table that's different than everyone else? And God is saying in Second Chronicles 16.9, God says, The Lord searches to and fro throughout the whole world in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. That God's eyes are wandering to and fro throughout the world to say, who's, who's my people? God, you have my heart. Here I am. It's like, that's my man right there. That's my, or there, there's my woman right there. I got them. And I'm going to empower them and teach them and train them so that they don't have these old lenses. That I can train, cool sunglasses going on. That I can train them how to see the world the way God sees the world. That is what God is trying to do in your life as a disciple. He's trying to get these old lenses off of you. And what happens is this. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't change a worldview. This took a lifetime to develop. One of the things that, um, you know, I was a college athlete and somewhat healthy, kind of. Eh, doesn't really look it. But anyway, um, I've lost hundreds of pounds over the course of like 30 years. But anyway, uh, you know, the thing is about losing weight, a lot of times you think, oh, it'll just fall off. It's like a lot of times it takes the same amount of time to lose it as it did to gain it. And in the same way with worldview, it's the things that took you years to ingrain and develop and say, this is the way the world is. It takes a little while, but it happens faster When you say, God, I want you to train me. I'm not just trying to hide out and just trying to be the nice little Christianette and trying to not create waves or anything. God wants you creating waves. We spent our whole life as a parent. You know, I spend my time with my boys, especially three boys in a house. It's like, boys, quiet down. Boys, stop fighting. Boys, would you just stop being wild? And then we get 19 and 20 and 21, and as a parent, it's like, where's the wildness to you? Come on, there's a world for you to conquer. There's an adventure for you to live. And it's just like, well, you kind of trained me my whole life just to be quiet. God wants you to grow. And to grow, it's about intentionally learning and training in perspective, and character, and lifestyle to reflect Jesus and His kingdom in an ever-increasing way. It's about intentionality. It's about saying, God, I really care about my growth. God, I really care about my faith. I want to grow. But it takes someone to just sit down and be serious to say, God, I'm done playing games. That's what it was in my life. I grew up in a religious home, grew up in a really big church in Colorado, and I come out to... Kansas, and I'm just kind of doing my own thing, and it was finally came down to, like, I realized that I had been running from God. I'd been playing, playing games with God my entire life. I'd given him excuses. Yeah, I know the right thing to do, but I really want to do this on Friday. Yeah, but, you know, I understand I need to be nice, so I'll be nice to the right people, and then I'll be really meet with my other friends, and we developed these kind of dual lifestyle, and God's like, God, I can't use that. And so, by our own choosing, we level off. And we say, God, I may be on the team, but I'm on the sideline. And God is asking, where are my team? Where's my team that I have can train and equip to put out on the field of life and change culture? And so, in Romans 12, Paul, the apostle, says this. Now, this is the message translation. It's a paraphrase. So if you're a you know, King James-only kind of guy, message translation probably doesn't do it for you, but we're still going to read it anyway, so praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. It says embracing what God does for you, or, or uh, embracing His truth, embracing His worldview, it says, embracing what he does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking. That's what we were talking about with the worldviews. Don't just fit into it without thinking, because God can't use that. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, and that's the process we're talking about, being changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you. And quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what He wants you to do. He does not want you to be a spiritual infant with a born-again heart, with an old-school worldview that can't be used for anything. God's like, He wants to develop. And so, and so it says here, okay, so I've got, these, I've got my, my old-school lenses... And I'm like, oh man, okay. So I start reading this word and it's, Paul says here, says, says, don't become so well, fix my attention on God. Okay, God, I'm going to fix my attention on you. All right, God, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm in the word every day. I'm fixing my attention on you. Slowly what begins to happen. How about, how about Paul says this in Colossians 2.8. Another thing about my mind and how I'm thinking. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive Through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the spiritual principle or spiritual forces, elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And so as I begin, it says, okay, so it's, I can't be held captive by empty or or deceptive philosophy. Okay, God, what's your philosophy? What's What's the kingdom of God all about? And as I begin to kind of read it, things begin to change. My lenses begin to change. I don't see the same things the way I used to. And I begin and I keep getting in God's Word. How about another one? You guys up for another one? How about Philippians 4? It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Paul says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And you start reading the word and you start realizing that these lenses start changing the way you see the world. And if I had my prop, it would transition into a seamless, because it's the same lenses anyway. So, into a brand new way of seeing things. Into a brand new way of seeing things. And you're like, wow. I never saw people that way. I never saw them with that much value. I never saw them with that much dignity. And when the church begins to see the way the God sees people, we begin to actually be the voice, the be the prophetic voice in culture that the way the church should be all along, that here is the truth. This is God's truth, and it's only in the kingdom of God do we find absolute solution in so many problems that we find in our society. Racial reconciliation, the only solution to that is the gospel. For people to see that everyone is made in the image of God and has equal dignity and value. Men, women, whatever, however much pigment you have, that people are made in the image of God. Sorry, I get worked up. Eddie says I'm a real calm, kind of peaceful, calm guy. Interpersonally, that's true, but... If I really believe that this is the Word of God, if I believe that this, me, my time, and this Word would make me a better man, would make me a better husband, would make me a better minister, would make me a better person, why, why, oh why, am I not in this every day? Why am I not in this every day when I wake up to say, God, today is a brand new day. God, it's not my day. It's your day. And I'm going to tell my face I'm happy to be here. Sweet. Here we go. God, what do you got for me today? God, I want to get in your word. I want to be your man in the hour. I want to be your man in this generation. So God, train me to be the man or woman that you've called me to be. And so I have two points How do we see this happen? How do we see this transition happen with our worldview? It's pretty simple. Number one, eat it. Eat it. Eat the Word. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and a delight to my heart. Notice that they became a joy and a delight. There is a process because we have seen the world and we've seen our own opinions in God, the way we used to see things. When we come to God, there are certain things that may not make sense. Like this just doesn't. You mean when somebody offends me, I got to go to them? That doesn't make sense, man. I always got my besties for that. You know, if I got a problem, you know, I just go to my friends. They tell me how great I am, how wonderful I am, and I feel pretty good. Even though I hate that person and will until I, you know, die. It's like God's like, no, there's a better way. If they're offending you, actually go to them and talk to them. Yeah. Say, hey, I, didn't, I know you probably didn't mean this, but it really offended me. Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't say it. And then that's what takes your relationship deeper. We all want deeper relationships And yet we try try to commit to something, and it's like, I'm still a part of this, and I feel like they don't know me. Well, whose fault is that? That's not theirs. That's yours, because you're keeping stuff too far to the vest that people don't want to be rude and crash in there. They're waiting for you to say, actually, here's who I am. Faults and all. Mistakes and all. I mean, you can't imagine how many mistakes I've made, public ones. That's just like, you know what, I'm a knucklehead. That's a fact. But the more I know Jesus, the more I change and transform to be the man God wants me to be. So right when Jesus started his ministry after John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, Jesus goes off into the wilderness, and at the end of that time, he gets tempted by the enemy in three different specific uh, temptations. And the first one God or the enemy came to Jesus and said if you can turn that rock into a loaf of bread I know you're hungry I know you have the power to do it why don't you just do it and satisfy your own hunger depend on your own ability to satisfy your own hunger and Jesus said no man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God God's like I don't live by just food alone I live By the sustenance God gives me every day. Just like in the Old Testament, a picture of manna in heaven. Manna. Israelites are wandering in the wilderness. They start complaining and griping. And God sends them manna, but they can't store it up. They can't keep it. They can't hoard it. God gives it fresh every morning. For their sustenance for that day. Is that not a picture of what a kingdom reality is like? say, God, I'm depending upon you every day. So eat it and then work it. There's the two points. Pretty deep, huh? Eat it and work it. As you're reading God's Word, there's times, like I said earlier, that it's just not going to line up. It's not going to line up with what you think. It's not going to line up with what our culture thinks. It's not going to line up. But it's like, instead of just gut reacting and say, well, that's antiquated, we've got to update it. It's like, no, 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 Wait. Before you go there, why don't you find out why God says what He says? Before you throw it out, why don't you look at why God says? And then once you start answering that question, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, God really knows what He's doing, and I don't. And when we begin working it, we begin to have this heart to to realize that Okay, God, the way I see things is not the way you see things. And he even says it in Isaiah 55. It says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So we start in the game, in the kingdom, with a different set of lenses than the God who just rescued us. But it's his process by which he's training us to see the world the way he does. But again, you have to go through his door. You have to go through his door. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me and by his way. And people like sneaking in the window and thinking, hey, I got it all together. Man, I'm good. Really? Really? Because I've got, I've got a couple in my church that's 80 years old. And they came out of China, persecuted China, and their parents, if you know anything about a guy named Watchman Nee, parents were friends with Watchman Nee, during the Chinese revival in the turn of the century in the 1900s, early 1900s, and these 80-year-olds, 80-year-olds have twice as much fire as I do, twice, and you think, man, I'm getting blasted here this morning, I didn't think Blumont, it's like, yes, I preach differently than Jonathan, but I'm telling you, it's like, man, that was on blast. It's like, yeah, but that's also what your life could become like, that when you're 80 years old and you're busting the gates of hell wide open to say, come on, next generation, come on. There's a next generation for, to follow God, passionately pursue Him, and be the voice of truth and culture. And God is trying to raise people up. But he sees the world, he sees things differently than you. I've I got, I got two minutes. I want to give you some examples, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Um, you know, God sees relationships differently than the world does. I don't know if you've caught that on yet, but like my example about conflict, man, that's just not heard of in culture. We want to avoid conflict. Do you know that God does dating different? Woo! Can we talk this morning? Is this okay? <laughs> Um, God does dating differently than the world. How, why? Why? Why does God do dating differently than in the world? That's a great question. You should probably answer it. How about business? You know, God does business differently than the world does business. We have a whole society of the next generation that's criticizing capitalism. But I would say you're criticizing greedy capitalism. What I would say is that what our, what our, what our society needs is a rejuvenation of compassionate capitalism. But that's just a whole other subject for a whole other day. But anyway, uh, how about, uh, dis, uh, how about f- making decisions? You know, making decisions in the world, I weighed pros and cons. Who's done a pro and con list? Come on now. Picking your college. Did you not do a pro and con list? Anyway, so, but that's not how God leads us to make decisions in the kingdom. At all. It's about, what does he say? And I'm going to Wait. Until he tells me what it is. The world doesn't make decisions that way. And so there's these things that God's trying to train and ingrain in us. But the fact is your ego is not your amigo. Your ego, that's my final point, your ego is not your amigo. Your ego will get in the way of God's purposes in your life. And when you think that you know better than God, begin to plateau. Begin to just level off. Man, why am I not growing? Because you're stubborn, and he's trying to teach you a different way. Well, I just don't really get I mean, people say, it's like, yes, but you're still holding on to your old worldview. And he's trying to raise up champions. He's trying to raise up who are my pro-level like disciples that I can send out in the world to effect change. But until you get serious about your worldview, there'll be a ceiling to your ability to impact the world. God's dream is that He would raise up a generation to see our culture and how much hurt and pain and dissonance and upsetness and hysteria that our world is living in right now. What's the greatest potential that we have? It's to be the still, calm, strong, truth-filled voice of who Jesus is, as being the ultimate answer to everything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for the power of your word, and God, the power of your worldview.